صباح الخير جود مورنينج دي ليسنرز يو ليسنينج تو راديو 3 سي ار اون 855 اي ام اند باليستاين ريمبرد وذ روبرت مارتن ناصر مشني اند يوسف احمد الريماوي Palestine Remembered is Australia's only English language radio program that is totally dedicated to Palestine. We'd like to welcome those listening on 855 and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Good morning, listeners. Sorry about that uh, little stuff up earlier on. I went a little bit early. Um, so here we are, a couple of days out of the next Israeli election and following the visit of Israeli president to Australia, the third time a sitting president um, visited our shores. Again, sadly, he was feted like some sort of um, rock star, the reception for him in um in Parliament and across um, many uh, many uh, of the events that he attended, which were within the Jewish community, had him um, receive the Beatles-like 1963 receptions. Um, whilst he was here, of course, he spoke about um, opportunities for Australia to increase its business dealings with uh, the apartheid state of Israel. Sadly, um, nothing was um, nothing was done to raise the prospects of uh, Palestine or talk about Trump. Well, certainly nothing that was um, reported about. Um, at least some um, some of our politicians made representations to the um, president about the awful case of Malka Leifer, um, the um, Australian Jewish woman who's now a, a citizen of the State of Israel who abused two, uh, at least two young girls in her care and who remains... Uh, um, in Israel with uh, arguably asylum based on the fact that she's had in excess of 100 court cases and yet to be extra- extradited back into um, back to Australia. And then following that, um, following her uh, repatriation to Australia, um, there'll be some people that will really need to answer some questions as to how Malkalifa was able to escape. Um, Four Corners did a very interesting story on that and it, You'd like you should just Google um, ABC and then find out exactly how she got out of Australia. Um, the election in in Israel happens on Tuesday, and uh, the rhetoric has really stepped up. Um, I, I, regular listeners will remember the show that Robert Yusuf and I did last year, where we dubbed a documentary, an Arabic documentary into English, um, about the Hebron uh, Ibrahimi Mosque massacre. Um, if you go to 3cr.org.au and search podcasts, to be able to look that one up. It was a year ago this week. Uh, and I say a year ago this week because we, we've just commemorated the 26th anniversary of the Ibrahimi Mosque where Dr. Baruch Goldstein, uh, a New York doctor, um, took a fully automatic weapon into the Ibrahimi Mosque. And whilst worshippers were uh, in the middle of prayer, Um, and many of you know how uh, Muslims pray. They're kneeling on the ground, lying with their faces bowed to God, uh, bowed to the ground. Um, in prayer, Brooke Goldstein took his fully automatic weapon and killed 29 people and injured over 100 others. Now, I say, I, I recall this um, 
massacre because we should always remember massacres and uh, and those that have uh, uh, were killed. The day before the massacre, uh, sitting indicted Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu visited the day before the anniversary, uh, the Ibrahim Mosque, and um, made it very clear to the rabid and fanatical Jewish settlers in Hebron, the 300-odd, close to 400 uh, uh, settlers there, that are protected by between two and a half and 4,000 Israeli soldiers in a neighbourhood of 300,000 Palestinians. He told them that they're never leaving. Now, the sort of virtual signalling, dog-whistle politics of attending the mosque the day before the 26th anniversary of that massacre um, really gives you a taste for exactly where the Israeli um, election is at. Um, and, and, and it really, I tell you that myself and many of my friends, you know, we, we held our breath with worry as to what um, this sort of uh, really, really a fascist display in power um, to, to visit a massacre site the day before the 26th anniversary to tell those people that are there, that uh, those Ill- illegal Jewish uh, settlers, that we're not going anywhere. There was a real fear amongst um, Palestinians, advocates, their supporters worldwide as to whether this might be a trigger for a really huge round of, um, of violence. Thankfully, thankfully that didn't occur. Um, and that provocation uh, didn't didn't serve to be anything. We also heard from uh, the Israeli Defence Minister Naftali Bennett, who who decided that you know he would um, approve uh, 1,900 new settlements in in the West Bank, all whilst we're waiting for Trump's plan of the century to come to fruition. And he said, um, in order to achieve this goal, we must continue the uh, the settlement enterprise. Settlement is one of the poles of Zionism. So we must expand and, and continue to go ahead with it. Uh, he said Israel will never give up one inch of land to the Arabs. Now this is you know, a very senior member of the Likud party of the ruling government. Um, Netanyahu's gone, uh, categorically said he's be ax- uh, annexing the, um, the Jordan Valley, uh, rendering a Palestinian state a floating archipelago within Israel, whatever its borders might be, ever-expanding borders. Um, he's out Netanyahu himself, in fact, to marginalise uh, Benny Gantz and the Blue and White Party. Um, the election is Monday into Tuesday, Australia time, so I'm sure by next week we'll be able to report as to the outcome. We won't be able to report, I don't think, who's going to be um, who's going to be the prime minister based on the, uh, the you know the the lack of a constitution in in, in Israel and. The, the ease with which micro-parties can get seats. Um, nobody's going to get a majority in, in and of themselves. And so uh, the, the cobbling of coalitions uh, to rule government is, is what needs to occur. And that's, the sort of, that's why uh, Netanyahu is doing that sort of rabid racist work within Hebron to send a signal to all the um, settler mindsets, all of those um, people who do not want a Palestinian state within uh, the West Bank, East Jerusalem and Gaza, <clears throat> excuse me, that don't want that, that, you know, vote for me and you'll be sure that won't happen. Interestingly, 
as provocative as that um, visit to the Ibrahimi Mosque was, the fact that he visited the day before the massacre wasn't news. Uh, what was news was the fact that um, Netanyahu was there whilst there was a Korean uh, tourist party there, and they were excited to see the Prime Minister of Israel. I'm not sure why. I might have. I wouldn't be excited to see him. Um, uh, they were excited to see him, and they rushed towards him, wanting to ha- shake his hands. And you know, they reached out with uh, eager anticipation that they might get to touch uh, touch him. And uh, you know, he um, flinched in in fear with his hands to his chest and body, saying, "No handshakes, no handshakes." And um, what was what was shown, particularly within uh, Israeli media, was the fact that he refused to shake hands and. His wife, Sarah, um, was saying, you know, this is at the request of the government. We've got to make sure that there's no spread of coronavirus. Anyway, there's, uh, there's a little bit for you. Um, we had some good stuff coming out of New Zealand. We've got to love New Zealand. Not only do they have the best prime minister in the world, but they have a very, very active and um, effective Palestine uh, solidarity group. Um, we, we really need to do a show on the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance um, and, and the working definition of anti-Semitism that is uh, sadly sweeping most of the Western world. In fact, um, Australia recently joined that. Um, it was developed in 2016 and, you know, and it stated very clearly, I mean, we, we all know what anti-Semitism is. We've spoken about it before. And... Um, uh, the, the hatred of a people just because they're Jewish, the in, in, invoking of Jewish stereotypes, um, it, it is amongst the most vile of um, of racism. Uh, it's you know it's on the same level and should be treated uh, the same as homophobia, Islamophobia, uh, etc. Um, but the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance, the IHRA, created a definition, a working definition of anti-Semitism. Um, and, you know, it states that anti-Semitism is a, a, a perception of Jewish people which can be expressed towards hatreds towards them. Um, there are 11 working examples of the in, in the IHRA, um, and the challenge with those 11 examples, and remembering that w- what, it's, what we're supposed to be doing is addressing the hatred towards Jewish people and the fact that that might um, manifest itself into into violence, exclusion, etc. Um, of the eleven examples in the working definition, seven of them, seven of them, talk about action against Israel. Now, if its primary purpose was to compound, combat the hatred of against Jewish people, you'd think that all eleven. Uh, Examples would be about Jewish stereotypes, etc., etc. Instead, seven of them talk about actions against the state of Israel. Now, we know, we well know, if you criticise Australia's refugee policy, if we were to criticise Australia's uh, climate policy, if we were to uh, um, criticise the New Start allowance, that doesn't make us anti Australian. We're criticising a government's inaction on things that as citizens, as members of a community, we don't uh, accept. So too, criticising the state of Israel's um, actions is not, is not anti-Semitic. Now, 
if you indulge yourself into uh, Jewish stereotypes about uh, Rothschilds and uh, money controlling and money lending and big noses and um, the, 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 those fake tropes, blood libels, well, you're an anti-Semite and we don't want you. In Palestine, Palestine advocacy, Palestine solidarity, we do not want anti-Semites. We will not accept anti-Semites. In the same vein, we won't accept anti, uh, anti-Islamist uh, uh, people who are homophobic. We are a broad coalition of fair-thinking people. Now, um, the IHRA has been adopted in many Western countries. Australia signed on recently. Um, it hasn't enacted itself into any form of legislation, but surreptitiously one of the manners in which uh, it's getting increasingly adopt, adopted is to get local councils to adopt it. And, I mean, in a reality, um, a local council has no power to um, uh, to implement anything to do it. I mean, it's, uh, you know... Um, virtue signaling in in and of, of its best but it's a, it's a good thing you know when when councils um, say they're going to do stuff and their representative bodies and in particular in Australia we know those councils and we applaud them that won't do nationalization ceremonies on invasion day um, and that's a, a good thing it's beyond virtue signaling they're actually taking an action and a stance that is right and proper um, the IHRA uh, you know increasingly well trying to find surreptitious means to force its way into legislation beyond a working definition and advice level, if you will, and become legislation. And that is the case in the United States where Donald Trump signed an executive order adopting the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism and now forces um, entities and government-funded institutions to, to use that. What it does is stifle free speech and stifle the opportunity for solidarity solidarity activists, for Palestinians and their supporters, to criticise the state's actions. Um, well, they tried to get this up in um, uh, the in Wellington, um, and to to the great credit of those that um, uh, those Palestinian um, uh, advocates and their supporters and their Jewish friends, in fact, from the Wellington Progressive Synagogue. Um, they wrote into that council and they noted that the definition conflates anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism with anti-Zionism. Um, and the two are not the same. One can be anti, uh, an anti, uh, anti-Zionist without being an anti-Semite. Um, and to their great credit, the, um, uh, the, the Wellington City Council withdrew the motion. They still talk about them bringing it back up, but the, the reality is... Um, uh, we, we hope that and, and believe that the Wellington City Council is going to move away from that now and that, um, uh, that free thought and uh, correct thinking has, has made its way forward. Um, we also had a, a win in, in the United Kingdom. And um, for those that followed the, uh, the election of um, Boris, Johnson, Boris Johnson in the past few months and, and watched a perfectly de- decent man a human being of integrity and morals uh, that have been proven time and time again for something of the order of four decades, a man who was arrested in um, protests, protesting apartheid, um, a man who has been at the forefront of social justice movements, of socialism, of uh, uh, every uh, bit of humanity that one might mention, uh, we've seen that the vilification of Jeremy Corbyn over the past couple of years since he almost won the election 
you know, almost three years ago. Um, the, the campaign in the um, tabloid press in the United Kingdom, um, and in, led in, in no small part by the Jewish Chronicle, um, uh, saw sadly, well, it was, I'm not sure that it was the single biggest contributor uh, to Jeremy Corbyn's loss and Boris Johnson's win, um, but it certainly w- was a, a very ugly campaign. Um, so the Jewish Chronicle um, is a newspaper, much like our Australian Jewish News. I, I suspect it was, you know, has a particular constituency and it's, you know, runs its own agenda. But um, it had to apologise to um, uh, a Labour activist, Audrey White. Um, it had to remove four articles that they published about her that formed the basis of many other articles and op-eds and radio talkback stuff. And we can't limit the uh, our understanding of the power of um, the thought creation. When 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 you're when you're a community and you create a uh, a thought and you know document it and become the thought leader and the uh, originator of opinion, where, where that ends up, no one no one can know. But they wrote um, four articles uh, about her. Um, they had to apologise. They had to take the article down. They had to pay a substantial sum uh, in compensation. Um, and this this is this is the, the the I think a little bit of a disturbing bit. Uh, the UK press regulator had been investigating them for some months, and they said that the uh, Jewish uh, Chronicle had had been had hampered the investigation. They were significantly misleading. And the paper had engaged in unacceptable obstruction of the investigation. Um, so that's really, really good win. Um, sadly, many um, labour activists within the UK uh, have, have um, struggled to get the sort of same sort of redress. And in particular, a, a fabulous woman, a black Jewish anti-Zionist woman who was expelled from the Labour Party, uh, Miss Jackie Walker, um, like a, a, a really fantastic human being, false charges and... Um, well, they, they put a movie together, and she's going to use that money to um, uh, to to show that money to show a movie in in the upcoming Labor conference. Um, this same Jewish uh, Chronicle was also um, forced to pay sixty thousand pounds in libel damage to Interpel. Uh, this is a British charity that works uh, and creates uh, with aid projects with the Palestinians. Uh, they called Interpel a terrorist organisation. This is an entity that's over thirty years old and has been the you know subject of many many. Uh, investigation. So a couple of fantastic results there and we, we look forward to and we've already had the situation and we'll hopefully re- report on it more in the future about Melissa Park who um, a former member of parliament was running in, in Western Australia and uh, a series of articles got written about her being an anti-Semite and um, I read a couple of months ago the um, West Australian had uh, apologised to her, had withdrawn their um, the uh, op-eds that they'd written about her and, uh, in fact, gave her the opportunity to publish a very, very stern and strong opinion piece uh, that Melissa wrote herself. So just in in, in view of um, where the IHRA is, we might need a definition of anti-Palestinianism and, you know, really hold those people to account. Welcome back. Um, Just when you think apartheid can't get any more apartheid, Along comes Amazon to the rescue uh, just recently. You know, this is, it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Maybe it is a duck, yeah. And I'm pretty sure if it wasn't enough for Trump to um, create, you know, six bantustans and call it 
uh, New Palestine and give us Abu Dis and not Jerusalem as a capital and no refugee can go home and, um, you know, Palestine's a half a state. Amazon comes to the rescue and teaches us all a, a, a brand new um, a brand new reason to, to, to know that Israel is a, an apartheid state. Um, in the illegal settlements that is um, in the West Bank, you can, if you uh, order something on Amazon, as I'm sure many people do, uh, you click in uh, delivery and you write down whatever the village uh, or the town you are in a settlement and click Israel as the country and you get free delivery. Now, if you're a Palestinian city uh, or, or, or village and that illegal settlement is built on your historic agricultural lands and what's supposed to be Palestine, so you're next door, a couple of kilometres perhaps as the crow flies, and you order the same item from the same website uh, and click Palestinian territories, well, you know, good news, you're going to have to pay $24 in delivery fee. Um, what a wonderful way for Amazon to, to um, treat the Palestinians. Um, and uh, But it's been outed now, so fingers crossed uh, the right thing gets done. Sadly, as we know, the reality of that actually occurring is probably um, slim, but you know we can still hope. Um, but it's not just American companies that are doing... Uh, condoning a, a apartheid it's within just recently within israel proper you know within um, what the the 78 percent of palestine and israel took control of the the jewish state um there's a, a ride hailing service called get g double t it's a global firm but uh, has its uh, origins in in israel and it's got a unique um they call it a, a unique offering uh, it's called Meridin, Meridin, uh, and it's offered to religiously observant Jews. Um, and and it's uh, it, what it actually is is a racist service that provides taxis with Jewish drivers. Um, and and what it means is you you can get on that app, much like an Uber, but you can actually make sure that you get a Jewish driver. Um, as we know, within Israel, twenty percent of the population of Israel are not Jewish. Um, one in five people uh, is Christian or Muslim, Arab. Um, and, and what this app allows you to do uh, is make sure that you get a Jewish driver. Uh, now, that's absolutely racist. And the challenge is there's a debate in Israel as to whether or not it is racist. Um, that's the level, sadly, of where that society is sitting at the moment. Thankfully, there's a group of human rights lawyers um, uh, who are suing GET, and um, uh, the, the claim is something of the order of $50 million. So fingers crossed that um, that case will be successful, um, and uh, uh, we can we can endeavour to get some justice there. I might just quote um, something from... Um, uh, uh, they, they secretly recorded um, uh, the CEO... Uh, and he said, he said this, let me tell you a secret. Get Meriden is not for religious Jews. It's for people who don't want an Arab driver. When my, when my daughter wants to travel, I call her a Get Meriden. She doesn't care if the driver is religious or not, because what she wants to be sure of is that she's got a Jewish driver. He also went on to say, he said, I've got 1,500 Arab drivers, and not one of them works for Meriden, nor will they. Um, you know, really sickening language. And this is, sadly, increasingly, 
um, some of the space that is uh, available for, for these sorts of racist ideas. And it, it comes from the top, as we know, you know, when when the leaders of um, a country say there's, you know, no, there won't be a Palestinian state, you know, the Likud Charter, Benjamin Netanyahu's ruling coalition party, explicitly within their... Um, explicitly within their charter says that there'll be no Palestinian state. Um, in closing, ladies and gentlemen, I, I had hoped to bring you uh, a, a special interview from Palestine. We're still trying to make sure that happens. But we've had another epiphany in Europe. Uh, 50 former leaders from across Europe. And when I say leaders, we're talking about people who are prime ministers, foreign ministers, um, people not without significant power. Um, you know, for instance, Douglas Alexander, who's a former minister for Europe and Secretary of State of International Development from the United Kingdom, um, Ben Bradshaw, I mean, some really huge names. Um, these people have decided now when they have no power, they've had their epiphany on Palestine and they've written an op-ed in, um, in The Guardian about the deal of the century and um, they say explicitly that this... Um, uh, uh, violates the most fundamental principles of international law. The map featured in the plan proposes Palestinian enclaves under permanent Israeli military control, which evoke chilling associations with South Africa's Bantustans. We know that the duck is a duck. It quacks like a duck, looks like a duck. It is apartheid. Israel is an apartheid state. Uh, thank you for listening, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you join me next week when I hope to be bringing you uh, a special interview from Palestine. Thanks again and look forward to speaking to you next week.